Welcome to another episode of Pet Talk Podcast, the official podcast of Alicia Pet Care Center. My name is Tim Wheaton. I am the office manager and marketing guru and podcast host for uh, Alicia Pet Care Center. I'm glad you are here to check out another episode. This is a special kind of different episode from what our norm is. Our normal podcast episodes are asking the doctors questions, uh, different kind of specific questions from our clients and from other people, as well as some general things that we go over. But in this podcast episode, we are speaking with members of the Pet Rescue Center, which is co-founded by Dr. Wheaton and his wife, Blythe. And we are going to speak with the development director as well as the operations director and we are also going to finish up by speaking with Blythe the co-founder of the pet rescue center so first let's bring in Dr. Wheaton just to give a little introduction to the pet rescue center for you and to introduce the first guest of the podcast I am Dr. Matthew Wheaton. I am the co-founder of the Pet Rescue Center with my lovely wife, Blythe. And I'm also the owner of Alicia Pet Care Center. And I know Blythe will go into the story of how the idea of the Pet Rescue Center was kind of hatched as we were on a very long road trip. But I will say that bringing the Pet Rescue Center into our lives, so to speak, has really had a positive impact all the way around on really every aspect of the way that my animal hospital functions. And I'm extremely proud of all of the work that the Pet Rescue Center has done and and all of our accomplishments, over a thousand dogs and cats that have been uh, saved from euthanasia and so many other countless good deeds that, you know, the pet rescue center has done and, and allowed us actually as a veterinary hospital that works closely with them to also participate in. It's really something that fills up our cup and from the veterinary side of things and, and the staff at the Alicia pet care center, we get a lot out of bringing bringing these rescue animals in and making a huge difference in their lives. And it's given us a ton of empathy for the other rescue groups that are operating in our, our region here. So that's, that's a big part of how Alicia Pet Care Center operates now as well, where we have up to, I think 60 or 70 different rescue groups that work with us. And it just is a a nice, easy fit because we, we truly do understand the the plight of the rescue group and all of those really huge challenges that that all of these people that are you know putting in their blood sweat and tears to make a difference in homeless pets lives we get it and that fact of really understanding what goes into the ins and outs and and rescue rehab rehome that that has to be done with these animals we we really can understand and it allows us to provide care for them in a way that is truly empathetic. And I think that the other rescue groups very much appreciate that. Working with Alicia Pet Care Center is a great thing for the Pet Rescue Center because 
we get to continue to keep seeing these animals on the veterinary side after they're adopted out. Um, so dogs and cats come back to us as patients and uh, we get to continue to watch them uh, bond more tightly to their forever homes and uh, see just the the magic of these families that are, you know, created by the pet rescue centers efforts. And that's a really touching thing that I think, Unfortunately, the Pet Rescue Center misses out a little bit on that. But um, from Alicia's perspective, we get to see that tight bond that's formed and and these relationships that really do kind of ripple out with positivity from just the very small nugget of empathy and kindness and generosity that's given to these animals that, that continues to get having a positive impact out into the universe, truly. So I'm really proud of all of that. It's it's an amazing thing that we're doing, and I'm very thankful for all of the main players in the Pet Rescue Center that's allowing us to do all these good works. And I, I'm very thankful for everyone out there that's supporting us. And the Pet Rescue Center definitely needs a lot of additional support along the way. There's a lot of things that we are able to do in the future with uh, additional support, both financially and also with time and and effort from people. So if you are interested in volunteering or helping out in a special way or primarily um, with a financial donation, it really goes a long way. We have a huge needs list and animals coming in every day that really are not coming with their own wallet. These things cost money, unfortunately. So uh, getting testing done and treating treating the ill and and injured patients is a burden that is still yet to be met. So we definitely would appreciate the help if uh, you're able to. I'd like to introduce our next speaker, who is Jan Henry, the development director, and she will talk about all the things that she does for the pet rescue center. Let's turn it over to Jan. All right, we are here now with Jan Henry, who is the development director for the Pet Rescue Center. Welcome, Jan. Hi, Tim. Thanks. Hi. Um, So we will go into a little bit of your history first, just so everybody can kind of get a feel for where you come from, what brought you to the Pet Rescue Center in the first place, and then we'll kind of dig a little bit deeper. How does that sound? That sounds great. Excellent. So tell us a little bit about your history. Well, I got involved with the Pet Rescue Center um, back in March of 2011 when we were looking to adopt a dog. And I had done a, an internet search for a black lab in Orange County, and the Pet Rescue Center came up and an adorable picture of this young man named Monty. Um, he was about two years old, and we immediately fell in love and then came in to have a meeting. How long do you know how long he'd been at the Pet Rescue Center before you actually adopted him? Well, I found out later that he, he had been at the center for about close to two months because when he was rescued from the shelter, he wouldn't walk and was deemed rescue only, which meant he wasn't available to adopt um, by the public. Hmm. And so it took him, um, there was nothing physically wrong with him. He was just kind of emotionally shut down, I guess. And it took him about three weeks being at the pet rescue center before he started walking. And then we met him about a month after that. Okay. Did they give you backstory? I'm just curious now, and I don't think I've ever asked you this. Did they get backstory to you on how long he was at the shelter before they? Um, No, and it was only 
after I'd gotten involved with the Pet Rescue Center mm-hmm. that I'd really learned more about him. Um, all I knew is that he was rescued the day he was scheduled to be euthanized, that mm. the operations director literally carried him out of the shelter mm-hmm. and that, you know, with volunteers and staff working with him, it took him about three weeks before he would even walk outside to go to the bathroom. So mm. it was a, he was, he was pretty shut down, yeah. pretty scared. Um, but I had such a great experience with our adoption and we, you know, just so fell in love with, with Monty that when an email had been sent out that summer um, after we had adopted him uh, asking for an intern to help with development, I responded. And then I uh, was able to meet with Blythe Wheaton, our executive director and co-founder. And pretty much from there on, it, it's been nonstop since then. Mm-hmm. And that was what year was that? That was July of 2011 when I met Blythe. Oh, okay. So you have been with the Pet Rescue Center since then in 2011. And what have you kind of seen over your course of time with the rescue as the biggest hurdles that rescues have to deal with in general? Well, the first um, probably about a year, I just really assisted Blythe in helping solicit donations and helping with events. And so it wasn't until... Um, I came on in an official capacity in the fall of 2012 um, as the development director that I really started seeking funding. And I would have to say that money is probably the biggest hurdle. Um, it, it costs money to rescue. Mm-hmm. There's a lot that has to, to happen. The pets all need medical care, you know, spay and neuter, uh, vaccines, microchips. Um, and that doesn't even count the the actual medical cases where we do fundraising for. And so I, I would say that money is is a big hurdle. The other thing is just the enormity of the task. There are so many homeless pets Mm. and in shelters throughout the United States, there's roughly three and a half million dogs and cats are euthanized every year. And in local shelters where we rescue from in Orange County, Los Angeles County and San Bernardino County, about one in four dogs that enters the shelter is euthanized and it's one in two cats. So 50% of cats that are impounded in a shelter are euthanized. And it's not the shelter's, you know, problem. It's just that there's a lack of funding. There's a lack of time, space, resources. And unfortunately, there are so many homeless animals, you know, either because they were strays and picked up or people surrendered them because there might be medical needs that they couldn't take care of. But it's just, it's contributing to that large number. Mm-hmm. One of the things that people don't realize is that the average age of a dog in the shelter is between nine months and two years. And I think the reason for that is that a lot of people get puppies and puppies take a lot of work. And um, once they've realized how much work it might be or how much training they might take or how destructive they can be, they'll end up being surrendered to a shelter. Um, Another issue is with cats. And there is a large feral population in our area, but there's also domestic cats that just aren't spayed or neutered and they're allowed to roam and then, or they're abandoned by somebody who moves and just leaves them. Um, they become pregnant. And just at the orange County shelter last year, there were over 3000 underage kittens that were euthanized. And so, so, I mean, I, I really believe spay and neuter is a, is a big issue, but so is, you know, being a responsible pet owner and making sure your animal has identification and the medical care that they need. Mm-hmm. And also, I'll give a little plug to Alicia Pet Care Center w- with our practically free spay and okay. neuter program where our new clients to the hospital, if you are not a current client and you bring your pet in, and there is some fine print there that you have to qualify, but our always low cost spay and neuter 
becomes a credit on your account, basically.、Mm. And you are then able to use that money towards future services for that specific pet. So it's it's a very good discount as well as a terrific program that you are able to do some other medical needs with your pet in the future, whether that's vaccines or whatever it may be. So it's very important. We feel very strongly about that here in the hospital as well. Yeah, and I, I don't. I'm not saying necessarily that I think it's the total answer. And I know that Blythe feels that same way. That spay and neuter isn't the complete answer to all the problems in rescue, but it certainly is a huge factor. And and I believe that it would make a, a big difference.、Mm-hmm. So,、uh, what are any of the other big hurdles that you have seen, if any? Well, one of the things I personally dealt with after I got more and more involved is what we call compassion fatigue. And unfortunately, there's So much bad stuff that happens to animals, whether it's just un- just unnecessary euthanasia,、um, the unprecedented amount of abuse and neglect that's taking place, let alone the actual dog fighting that still is alive and well. Crazy.、Um, it is crazy. And so when I began working at the pet rescue center, and I would spend my evenings on the computer and looking at things on Facebook,、um, literally I would just sit there and sob, and it would be after midnight, and my husband would come downstairs and you know. Like just looking at me, like what is the matter with you? And it was heartbreaking. And I, it's not that it's not still heartbreaking, but I had to shield myself from seeing some of that stuff. And even now, I'll get emails or Facebook posts, and I, I just can't even look at them because I know what's going on, and I, I can't have that going into my mind all the time. And、mm-hmm. one of the things that that one of my coworkers actually told me,、um, and it was great advice, is that we really have to focus on the animals that we save. And we're making a huge difference with them, and that really helped me a lot because I know that we're making a difference,、um, and we're changing those pets' lives, and that's what we have to focus on. Yeah. And I know too. One of the things you know, we don't always necessarily we call it pull, but take the most adoptable pets from those shelters, because I mean, for example, we we recently rescued a dog that was completely matted and overgrown, but he was only ten months old, and really all he needed was a bath and a haircut.、Mm-hmm. But he had been at the shelter for six weeks, and he was adorable. And I mean, I I almost didn't even recognize him after he got clipped, and then he found a home within you know three weeks of being saved from the shelter. And so those are the dogs that we want to take, the ones that aren't necessarily going to be yeah adopted. That was puddles, yeah, 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 and the number of. Pets that have been rescued that are cherry eye cases.、Mm-hmm. That you know, I'm not saying that there is nothing to that cherry eye, but they are pets that people aren't wanting to adopt、right. and have to deal with that right off the bat, and maybe don't understand what they're going to have to deal with. So the benefit of the pet rescue center and their ability to work with Alicia Pet Care Center、mm-hmm. to be able to handle that and have this dog that after that procedure. Heals up and is、yeah. perfectly normal, and that's a relatively. I mean, it's about three hundred dollars for that surgery, and so it's it's a relatively inexpensive surgery、mm-hmm. and usually a permanent fix. Yeah. So, what advice would you give to people that are looking to adopt from a rescue? Um, one of the things for us when we adopted Monty is we really wanted to be prepared. You know, we went out the day before and we got beds and a crate, leashes, harnesses, things like that, but. I know a question that we often get is: Is the dog potty trained? And although the dog might be potty trained, anytime you 
take an animal, either a cat or a dog, into a new environment, there's going to be an adjustment period. And so even though Monty was two years old and I'm sure completely potty trained, he still had a couple accidents in our house. Mm-hmm. And we just had to be prepared for that. I would really recommend doing training too. We have joined a dog walking group, which has been great fun for us. It gets us out. We've met some wonderful people, but it also has given us an opportunity to learn you know, different techniques and discipline um, and just, you know, really working on leash training with Monty to where he can walk with a, a loose leash because he's 75 pounds. So I don't want him pulling or jumping on people. And so that's been a big thing. Um, and then finally, and we did do this right away, but I recently definitely did an upgrade to it is to get pet insurance. Um, I know some people don't think that it's important, but I could give you multiple things that we've been able to help, you know, take care of with Monty because we had pet insurance. And if we didn't, I don't think that we could have provided the care for him that we needed to. Yeah, we see that obviously here within the hospital. We see that all the time with yeah. people that we want to give them a flying high five for having pet insurance when they run into some kind of an issue um, or the people who unfortunately do not have it and something comes along and uh, they have to find other ways to try to finance. I was just going to mention if I can... Um, We had one type of insurance and uh, Dr. Wheaton just expressed a concern to us that it might not be enough coverage as Monty got older Mm -hmm. and the timing couldn't have been more perfect. I just will will always be thankful to Dr. Wheaton for suggesting that we upgrade our plan Mm -hmm. and make it have better coverage. So it was able to cover the the amount of money that we ended up having to spend. So word to the wise would be (laughs) to treat your pet insurance the way you would your own insurance Mm -hmm. and you're not getting the same insurance package and keeping that for the life of your pet necessarily the way that you wouldn't keep your same package that you got as a 20 year old for yourself that you are getting when you are 60 years old. Right. Yeah. We're, we're very thankful. Yeah. What are some of the things that you would like to see change across the board in the world of rescue? Well, personally, because it's my responsibility, I would love to see more funding for rescue, whether that's from corporations or pet supply companies. And some people will say, well, they're just dogs or they're just cats. But it's not just the animals that we're saving. We're creating families and we're saving lives. And I know personally, for me, I'm a different person now than I was five years ago before we adopted Monty. And he he changed me for the better. And And many people will say, you know, you're a different person. And and for a good, it was a good change, but I, people are impacted by having pets in their lives. And I know that I see these animals, we follow them on social media that have been adopted from the Pet Rescue Center. And it's so amazing to see some of the transformations, not just of the animals, but of the families that adopted Mm -hmm. them. It's not only that and the new amount of love that comes into that family, but a lot of times it's that bond Mm-hmm. that happens within the family members over that pet. Right. So. Giving giving their a mutual, you know, activity or appreciation for something. So it it, it has been great. Mm-hmm. Um one of the things that I really appreciate about the pet rescue center is is their goal to work cooperatively with other rescue groups, with hospitals, with pet supply stores. And a recent example of something that was, it was a pretty neat experience is the Pet Rescue Center received a huge, and by huge, I mean 65,000 pounds, I think, of um, pet food from Blue Buffalo that was uh, coordinated through the Best Friends Animal Society. And once we understood the magnitude of the donation, we realized there was no way we could 
either store or use up that amount of food in the time that we would have. And so we, through some, some work through Facebook and networking, we were able to share that food with 22 other rescue groups. And it was a, it was pretty awesome. And just the appreciation that people shared and just the feeling of, wow, that's a lot of pets that are going to get food. Mm -hmm. It was neat. It was a really great experience. Probably the other thing I'd, I'd really love to see is more humane shelters. And by humane, I mean shelters that don't euthanize because of lack of space or, you know, a a dog's been there for six weeks. And so he's on the euthanasia list. I'd love to see more, more municipal shelters, you know, be able to take an animal and keep them for several months until they could get rescued or until they are adopted. And I know that that's only going to happen through funding through the municipalities. One of my heart's desires is to see less euthanasia of adoptable dogs and cats. Mm -hmm. And over the course of the last year to two years, it's been cool to see what our local shelter has done here. So absolutely it can happen. Well, and there, there are shelters who are doing these um, intake prevention programs uh, where they'll provide different services to people who are, are maybe surrendering their pet because they can't afford pet food or they can't afford to have it spayed or neutered. And one of the things the Pet Rescue Center did was three years ago, we started this program called Pet Pantry for Seniors and the Unemployed. And we are currently providing free pet food and litter for pets owned by low income, either seniors or families. And we're providing food for about 140 dogs and cats every month. Wow. So, I mean, our goal with that program is to prevent those animals from being you know, surrendered to the overcrowded shelters. Mm-hmm. To close out your segment of the episode... We've already talked about Monty. Do you want to tell us about your other very recent rescue? Um, Sure. We adopted a six-month-old terrier mix. Um, My husband and I were out in the desert, and we were staying at a resort out there, and they actually partner with a local SPCA, and they had an adoptable dog in their lobby. And Mm. we're like, what is this? We can't even get away from the dog. Um, And we were actually their 28th adoption. Uh, we were at the Weston Mission Hills, and so now his name is Weston. Uh-huh. And uh, we actually just got invited to a reunion. They've now adopted 50 dogs out of wow. their hotel lobby, which is amazing. That's so cool. It's very cool. And so I would, I mean, it, it's a great opportunity for an organization. And I don't know if if there's that possibility, but I, I mean, it's kind of what we do with our different adoption events and mm-hmm. going, you know, we're going to Macy's and we're going to a store in Laguna Beach called Aereo, and we'll have adoptable pets there. And it's just getting getting the word out that adoptable pets are available Mm -hmm. and informing people about the Pet Rescue Center and what a great organization it is. Yeah. All right. Well, thanks for your time, Jan. We appreciate it. And uh, we will move along and meet with Katie next. Okay. Thanks so much, Tim. Thank you. All right. And now we are here with Katie Winters, who is the operations director for the Pet Rescue Center. Welcome, Katie. Thank you for having me. Yes. Thank you for being here. So Katie has been, well, I'll let you tell your own story. So tell us how you, your process from being not even in Alicia Pet Care Center yet, kind of that whole road went to where you are now. I started with pet care when I was 15, working in a pet store, which then spawned to me moving on to the rescue aspect of it. My first job was in the Irvine Animal Care Center, which is the government-funded shelter for the Irvine, the city of Irvine. And I was a 
dog caregiver there and would handle adoptions and helped with their with intakes on the dogs and going to do shelter pulls from other larger shelters. So that's where I kind of made my realization of how intense the overpopulation problem was by going to shelters in the Riverside area and San Bernardino. And we were rescuing dogs from there. After leaving there is when I started with the Alicia Pet Care Center as one of their kennel attendants. So this was how long ago? In 2007 is when I started at the Irvine Animal Care Center. Okay. And you started with Alicia Pet Care Center. In 2010. Okay. 2010. So you started working as a kennel attendant. Yes. And rose through the ranks and became the kennel manager eventually. Yes. And I had initially applied at the Alicia Pet Care Center because of the fact that they had the pet rescue center within the hospital. Mm -hmm. And I was interested in staying with rescue, but at that time they didn't have any available positions with the pet rescue center. So I started with the Alicia pet care center and did as much volunteering as I could while doing so. Okay. And then you were the kennel manager Mm -hmm. started school at that point for your technician school to be a veterinary technician when I was still in kennel and then moved into the treatment area and was working as a technician while going to school and then about six months after being moved into the technician position is when I moved to the operations director for the pet rescue center. Mm-hmm. And so you have been doing that now for just a little over two years. Okay. Since then, uh, what kind of big programs or changes have been made? Yeah. Uh, We've started branching out the shelters that we're working with. When we first started, we worked a lot with Orange County. And now that Orange County has started to work towards being a more pro-humane shelter, which means that they will keep adoptable dogs until they are adopted and they do not euthanize any adoptable dog. We've started to branch out to larger shelters in L.A. and San Bernardino. We've even gone as far as Bakersfield to, you know, try and reach as far as we can to help, you know, animals that are more at risk. Mm -hmm. So what is the advice that you would give to these people who are looking to adopt, uh, whether it's something that they are looking to adopt from the pet rescue center or people in general who are thinking of adopting a pet from a rescue specifically, what advice would you give them? Um, If they're looking for a specific breed, you know, of dog, definitely be patient that, you know, there's lots of breed rescues, you know, breed specific rescues out there. We'll get calls from people who want, you know, Maltese's or golden retrievers, and they think that it's not a, you know, an accessible thing in rescue, and it absolutely is. And, you know, if you know what you want, just be patient, you, you know, and look around. There's lots of rescues, dogs available in shelters and nonprofit rescues. Make sure that you spend time with them and are ready for them at home and get situated, make sure the whole family's on board. When you're getting a pet, you want to make sure that you are getting all of the information ahead of time from the rescue that you're adopting from. Make sure that it's had vaccines and it's vetted and that they are taking care of them while they have them. Spaying and neutering is a must when, you know, and most rescues will do that, which is good. A lot of shelters that you adopt from, it's mandatory. So getting them spayed and neutered will happen prior to that, or they'll give you vouchers. We will do home checks, which 
you know, is a good advantage for the adopters to see the pet in their home, make sure that it gets along with their other dogs. If they have them, we always want to make sure that everybody gets along with the pet. And it's always that little reality check to see that new dog in your home. And you can see if there's things that they'll go for, if they will jump on the coffee table or if they'll pick up your shoes. And it's just kind of a nice thing to see those pets in your home. And it also gives you that comforting feeling of seeing them in your home so that they you can know what they'll be like when they're there. Whenever we get dogs for, or cats from the shelters, we will make sure they are fully vetted and give them the health care that they need. And we are lucky enough to be able to rescue a lot of medical cases. So we'll go to shelters and find those and bring them back and give them the best care that we can. Mm -hmm. I know that that's something that I have personally heard from some people that are looking to adopt as kind of a frustration point right off the bat until I kind of have a little bit of a conversation with them or somebody does of a lot of them are kind of looking at a at a rescue of, hey, you rescued this dog and I want to adopt it. So don't you want that off your hands and give it to me? And I know that some people are like wanting that kind of immediate, whether it's an immediate gratification or that kind of immediate turnover and kind of expecting that. I think that it is, I've always felt like it's a really good thing of the Pet Rescue Center specifically that there are all of those checks that go into place because I mean, it makes it better for you guys, right? Because you're not getting a bunch of uh, returns that way where these people are like, I had no idea. Absolutely. And, you know, a pet should never be a impulse adoption or an impulse Mm -hmm. buy. You know, you want to make sure that it's a good fit for you and your family and your home. And that you know, it's a decision that is made with a lot of thought. Uh, We do have people that will come in and, you know, like you said, they want it now. Why can't we give it to them now? And it's just not something that we want. We don't want to just throw our animals. We save them so that we can give them a better chance at a good life. Mm -hmm. So making sure that we're checking and doing our checklist to make sure that that's a good home and a positive place for that pet to be going is very important to us. We don't do our adoptions on a, you know, first come first serve basis. So if we do have multiple applications on a cat or a dog, we'll make sure that we choose the best home for that pet. And a lot of people don't realize that it's not necessarily that they're bad pet owners or that we don't think that they would be a good you know, owner for that pet, but it just might not be the best fit. Mm-hmm. So some uh, really, really hyperactive dog might not be the best fit for, you know, a older couple that wants a calm dog. And even though it's really cute, they might not realize the energy that it has. Mm-hmm. And that's where we come in and we've spend the time with the dogs to know their personality and the cats uh, to know their personalities and know what home they would sit or fit best in. Right. And you guys get a lot of feedback from not only the people who potentially are fostering overnight or for a weekend or whatever, but Mm -hmm. also you guys benefit from having a lot of volunteers come in and some that you have very, very good relationships over a large amount of time because they're coming in so frequently. And I mean, we have some that come in pretty much every Every day. day. Yeah. Yeah. We absolutely rely on our volunteers and, you know, the staff of the Alicia Pet Care Center because I'm actually the only staff on site for the rescue. So all those animals that we have here, you know, it's hard to manage each one. So having the volunteers be able to spend time with them and see their true personalities outside of the clinic and take them to the park and be able to see them playing with a ball and know that they love playing with tennis balls or that they're a little nervous with cars. That helps us to better, you know, evaluate them and know what would be the best suited home for them or what we need to work on with them while they're with us. Mm-hmm. 
So what do you think are some of the most common misconceptions about rescues and or rescue pets? Um, you know, there's always those misconceptions of that all rescue pets are damaged, that they wouldn't be in a shelter unless they, you know, did something wrong, which is completely untrue. You know, there'll always be some pets that will have behavioral problems. And that happens with owned pets that are bought from puppies as well. Every dog or cat that you adopt or get is going to need some type of training. Even, you know, you can get a puppy from a shelter and you can still have that puppy turn out bad if you don't do training with it, Mm -hmm. even though you are the one that raised it. Uh, Every dog deserves a loving home. Every cat deserves a loving home. You know, even if you have to work through some hurdles, which you will need to always. There's a misconception that, you know, a lot of rescue pets are always older. So that there aren't, you can't find puppies or kittens in shelters or rescues. And that's completely false as well. Uh, you can't find purebred pets in shelters, which is, as you know, there's always breed specific rescues. Mm-hmm. And, you know, about 25% of pets that come into shelters are going to be purebred. And that's something where if you, like I said before, if you really know what you want and if you want a golden retriever, there's lots of breed specific golden retriever rescues out there and you can absolutely find that in a rescue. Um, a lot of the times you're going to be getting a much better deal at a rescue when you consider the fact of that those pets will be have vaccines and be spayed or neutered and have microchips and what they need done prior to if you go to a you know breeder and have to do that all on your own. Okay. Thank you for all that information. Before we go away from you, tell us about your own pets that you have. Right now, I have two dogs. I have my pit bull that I've had since she was about four months old. We rescued her from the Orange County Animal Care Center. She was brought in with all of her siblings by someone who their dog wasn't spayed Hmm. and had puppies. And she was a little nightmare, but I love her to death. She was your. She taught me everything I needed to know about having a puppy. And, and I, how old is she she's now? She's twelve now. Yeah, she's my old lady, mm-hmm. and she is the best dog in the world. And I could not have asked for a better dog, which is why I love pitbulls to this day. Mm-hmm. They're amazing. And then my most recent adoption is my little Sharpay Chihuahua mix pygmy. Who's the love of my life? And she was rescued through another group that was working with the Alicia Pet Care Center doing their vet care when they would pull dogs from larger shelters. Mm-hmm. And she had come from a one of the highest kill shelters in L.A., which is Siaka. Mm. And she was actually in the back of their facility, very sick, and she probably wouldn't have made it onto the adoption floor and thankfully, uh, the girl who was running the rescue at that time was brought back into the clinic and saw her and snapped her up. And I got to meet her when she was here for her initial vet visit with the Alicia Pet Care Center. And the next day went and adopted her. Yeah, she I remember she basically walked. I mean, the <laughs> second you saw her, I which about had a heart attack, which if you had the space, let's let's be honest, if you had the ability to, you would probably be adopting a pet. I don't know, once a week. Oh, yeah. There's always those, you know, dogs that come in or cats that come in that you just know that you would love. Sawyer was my most recent one that I was like, this dog would be mine if mm-hmm. if I had the space. But the point of being in rescue is to not be a hoarder because those those people end up 
with their animals back into the shelters. Yes. yes. That's a difficult thing when you work around so many yeah. animals. To but it's it's also very positive because especially in my position, I get to see the loving families that adopt those dogs and it just makes it that much more rewarding knowing that they'll be just as much loved with those families than they would or than they would be with me. Yeah. All right. Well, I just wanted to make sure that we gave you an opportunity to, to talk, talk about, about the loves of your life. Yes. <laughs> and Nova. All right. Well, thank you very much for sitting down with us. Of course. And thank keep you. doing your great work. Thank you very much. Okay. So we are here now with Blythe Wheaton, who is the co-founder and executive director of the Pet Rescue Center here in Orange County. Welcome, Blythe. Thank you very much. Let's go back to your kind of history with animals, with pets, and what kind of sparked the interest in the Pet Rescue Center in the first place. My first experience with animals, I would say, was just being a kid. Mm -hmm. We had a cat. (laughs) 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 Wasn't very exotic. Um, Her name was Marshmallow. She was a beautiful white fluffy cat. And that's my first memory of my own family's cat. You know, we had other pets um, in extended family that I remember, but we were mostly a cat family. Every, my grandparents, aunts and uncles, everybody had cats. No one had dogs. Mm. So my whole life, that was the story. We just stuck with cats. I'm not sure why, looking back, why we didn't ever have a dog. Mm -hmm. There was no reason because we had a lot of land behind our house because Orange County wasn't really developed then. There were a lot of orange groves, but cat after cat. So because of that, just totally fishtailing off into this, what was your thinking or feeling of dogs? Did you have a trepidation towards them because you didn't own dogs or was it more like, oh, look, there's a dog. That's a magical, mythical figure. Yeah. Um, definitely they were magical, mythical figures to me because I had zero knowledge mm-hmm. of dogs. The only dog I knew was down the street and it was an enormous dog that barked frenetically behind a fence. And I don't even really know what the dog looked like. Cause I don't think I actually ever saw hmm. it, but it scared the daylights out of my brother. So my brother was terrified of dogs. Hmm. So that was my knowledge of dogs. Um, and really I didn't have any interest in dogs until college. Okay. So is that Starsky? Yes. Was your first dog? Okay. Yeah. He was the first dog in my entire family. Basically, long story short, a girlfriend rescued two dogs from the shelter in Flagstaff, Arizona, where I was going to college. And she got in over her head. She had two Labrador puppies Mm. that were really, really young. And she could not keep them both because they were just together too much to handle. And she put out the word to a couple of girlfriends that she was going to send one of them back to the shelter. And I had said how cute he was. And, you know, I'd seen him and fallen in love with his floppy little face. And uh, I showed up like the next day after she said she was looking for a home. And I pulled up to her front door and she basically handed him to me through the window <laughs> so, I mean, I had no leash, I had no food, I had no business having a dog. Right. But that was my first experience with a dog. And I just thought, oh my gosh, what am I getting into? But I figured it out. It took, it was, it was not the path that I would recommend to anyone, mm-hmm. which is something I reflect on in making sure that we prepare anyone who is adopting a dog. It is like, 
taking on a whole new experience if you've never done it before. And yeah. um, so I I brought home my little Starsky and he really taught me the ropes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Then flashing way forward. So mm-hmm. through marriage, Matthew was not at Alicia Pet Clinic at that time, right? He was still Which doing time? emergency when you guys got married. Oh, no, you're leaving out a massive part. Oh, We've okay. met at the dog park. Right. Okay. Yeah. Yes, go back. So that dog is responsible. Yeah. <laughs> that yeah. one dog of all the animals, all the cats, when I finally came into the dog world, my life began in so many ways. Yes. I, so have you thanked that? The dog park? No, the girl <laughs> who you got the dog from? Yes. Oh, you have? Okay, yeah, cool. she knows. That's funny. But um, yeah, I say a little silent prayer every time I go by the dog park, mm-hmm. give it a nod of approval. And Matt was with both Punch and Starsky? Well, he had Punch and Golgi. I'm sorry, Punch and Golgi. And I had Starsky, mm-hmm. and then we started dating, and it was now Punch, Golgi, and Starsky. Yeah. So at that time, he, APC he was, was not... Okay, so he yeah. was just doing emergency. So then he opens the animal hospital, and what is the path from that that leads to... Well, we started talking about marriage and we were kind of trying to weigh whether uh, we should buy a clinic first or we should get married first Mm -hmm. and the clinic won out. (laughs) So, so Postponing the marriage a little bit? Kind of because we really wanted to get married in the summer. But yeah, we chose to buy the clinic and um, start planning the wedding. And so the wedding then happened the year after that. So... um, through that first year of Alicia, we were engaged. I had every chance to get out. <laughs> <laughs> we're no. glad you did. I love my husband. Yes. So then the clinic is rolling for. I'm totally off on. The I think math it's like six it. years. Oh, oh, okay. Yeah, it's like six years. Let's see, 2000 to 2006, and then we start tossing around the idea of expanding and moving locations. Mm-hmm. And then when that was happening, we kind of needed to find something to go into the previous location. Mm-hmm. And we had always talked about nonprofit. And my background is psychology and political science. So I'm a philanthropist and social activist mm-hmm. at heart. And um, I'm just incredibly empathetic and love to help people. And um, so the idea of doing something like that as a career was always appealing to me. Basically, with my background and my leanings, we kind of forged the idea of creating a nonprofit. And then with Matt's veterinary background, it just ended up being the Pet Rescue Center. Mm-hmm. So you guys go through all of the hoops to get that going. How long was that process to get it started? Well, we drove to San Francisco. And in the drive to San Francisco, we basically created it. We took those six hours to hash out what it was we wanted to accomplish. And they were rooted based in experiences that he had had having the hospital Mm -hmm. and complaints that he had experienced, you know, super sad situations that there were no resources available or there was nothing he could really do within the framework of traditional veterinary medicine. Mm -hmm. There was not a lot of, you know, outside of the box options at that time. 
and rescue really wasn't popular. People, right. it was kind of frowned upon at the time because it wasn't a cooperative environment back then. Mm-hmm. It was very much, I'm the shelter, I'm on this side, you're a rescue, you're over there, I'm a vet, I'm over here. You know, everybody stood in their corners. Now, I believe that the environment has really changed for the better, but it was a unique concept back then in 2007. So, oh, to get started, <laughs> yeah. it's a very daunting thing to say how it got started, but we created it that way, put it all together on paper in this very lofty ambition. And then we just started putting out the word, what we were thinking of doing, and we got a lot of positive feedback. Just people were just clawing at the idea. And um, we decided to hire a lawyer to file the paperwork and do all of the professional, you know, legal stuff. Got that done. And then um, in spring of 2008, started rescuing our first animals Mm. from the shelter. Wow. Now it's been eight years. I know. Eight years. That it's been going on. What do you think have been the hurdles that have been really the biggest things that you and the rescue have had to face in that time? Our children. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. No. Um, I mean, absolutely. It's really, really, really hard to start a business and a nonprofit Mm -hmm. and or and try to have a normal family life, you know, both whizzing along beside each other. Um, So to find balance is really difficult. Mm -hmm. But I think that we didn't really know what we were doing. Mm -hmm. We had all these ideas and we had all of these problems in the world. But how do you create a framework that's a business to solve those problems in a productive and positive way Mm -hmm. and make it sustainable and not a drain on your personal finances? You know, so all of those things are really complicated and everything that we've accomplished this far has really truly been with the help of advisors that we have in our lives in one way or another. Mm friends that work in nonprofit or um, that work for a corporation that know about, you know, their employee giving program. Um, we've had incredible support from the community, um, from the Orange County Community Foundation, the Laguna Beach Community Foundation, various friends that work for other nonprofits, you know, have given me tips on what they do. But really, it's been just one foot in front of the other, trying to make sure that we can do everything on paper, which you know, it's really daunting. It's hard to even convey what that means. But um, a lot of what you do has to be very transparent mm-hmm. so that you can make sure that the donors feel confident that the money that they're donating to you is being used in the in the lofty way that you say you're going to use it. Right. And you are, but you have to make sure that it's all on paper. Yeah. And that's very, it's just very difficult to make sure that you're doing it the way that you're supposed to do it. Yeah. And I talked about that a a little bit. Adopting owners that they are making the right choice with the rescue that they are dealing with and knowing that it is a rescue that is not only on the up and up, but Mm -hmm. that it is somebody that is going to set them up correctly and that also did the right things yeah. with the animal before they are adopting it. Yeah, it's all, it's all so um I want to say a horizontal concept because it's not it's not just one thing. You know, when you're running this nonprofit and, and you're a rescue group and you're taking in animals that are that are going to be euthanized, 
you're also doing so many other things. You know, you're providing them with medical care and you're providing them with socialization and you're providing them with, you know, a preventative turnkey life, hopefully. Your, mm-hmm. you know, flea treatment, microchipping, spay neuter, everything that they're going to need and for their new life with this right. new family. And so first and foremost, when, when an adopter is coming into the rescue world to adopt, the animal needs to be healthy. Mm-hmm. So they need to be able to believe that the rescue group that they're courting believes in that. Mm -hmm. I think that that's really the most important thing for us and something that sets us apart. Because I don't know if that's necessarily a priority for everyone. Mm -hmm. That's something that we've taken on as a priority. Everybody wants to save a life and everybody wants to lessen the amount of animals that are euthanized in at-risk situations. Right. But I don't know if it's, you know, a foremost goal for -hmm. everybody to make sure that when that animal though is adopted it's healthy right and that's really important for me and for what we do because we just want to set the new owner up for success that's like a key term yeah dr wheaton yeah from the hospital yeah (laughs) but we do we want to set them up for success that's something that we truly truly believe in we want to be able to continue to save more and more lives and so if we adopt out an animal that is not healthy and moving out permanently from our care into its adopting family's care, we can't continue to rescue because there's the risk that they could come back. So for us, we just want to set them and us up to make sure that that animal is healthy and on its way to its forever happy life. Mm -hmm. When you are going on the shelter trips, what is it that you are looking for in general or even specifically in a pet, in your decision-making process, what, what kind of goes into that is as to I'm selecting this dog and I'm not selecting that dog? Well, we're non-breed specific, which is unique. Yeah. We also have a medical director who can advise us on the animals that we take in. So when we're looking at an animal, we're also on the phone with Dr. Wheaton saying, mm-hmm. this is what I'm looking at. Uh, We take with us a veterinary technician who is our director of operations, Katie Winters, and she is very knowledgeable in, you know, anything that she can see on the surface, underneath their lips, looking at their teeth, their gums, the rash they may or may not have, you know, whatever medical conditions that they're presenting with just on the outside, we're able to assess at that time. And uh, we're not just looking at a sad animal behind bars. We're also looking at their overall health. What is their medical condition? And what is it that they need? Generally, the ones that we try to take, we all start in the medical ward and we start communicating with the rescue coordinator of the shelter to see if there's any cases that no one else will take. Mm -hmm. That's really appealing to me because I don't like somebody to be unrepresented. I don't like somebody to, to not have the possibility of rescue. If they're completely rescuable, there's just no one out there that would consider them because... Either their medical case is too complicated or, you know, they're emotionally shut down because they came in from this great life, but that life, that family came upon hard times and had to make the hard decision of surrendering that animal. And so now that animal is not socially able to attract the public. Right. You know, they're not able to They're not giving the puppy dog eyes. Yeah. They're not going to sit behind those bars and look cute and Mm -hmm. look like, adopt me. I'm I'm super fun and I promise I'll be good. Yeah. Yeah. That's what dogs and cats that are in the shelter, if they have that ability, they're not going to have a problem. They're going to be adopted. But Mm -hmm. it's the ones that 
can't do that, then I need to focus on Mm -hmm. and, and find out, are they really shut down? You know, do they really have social issues? Is there really something behind that that is salvageable and that they can come out of their shell with our support and our help? So it's, I mean, it's a very complicated thing, but really it just boils down to feeling Mm -hmm. and taking time. And so there have been many cases where, you know, there's a cute little black dog like huddled back in the corner hiding underneath their caranda bed. And the kitties, you know, also the kitties are less complicated, um, but some of them do shut down and they're not cheerleaders for you to adopt them Mm because they're in a cage. You know, they're not happy where they are and cats are very moody. And if they're not happy, then they're not going to look happy. Right. Cats are a little bit easier to make a judgment call, but dogs are so sensitive and emotional that it's health conditions and their approachability. Mm -hmm. I think that I look at first. I think that's part of the cool thing that most people don't get to see. And I wouldn't be able to see at all if I wasn't working here and the uniqueness of the pet rescue center having that ability and the tie in with Alicia pet care center of being able to see the volunteers that are coming in that are spending time every day with these pets and being part of that rehab process really and seeing the you know the treatment that we're doing with the dogs whatever extreme their medical case may be in whether it is one of the ones that y'all have taken in within the last year or so where it's needing to have a leg removed for whatever reason or if it's just a matter of it's coming in it's going to have kennel cough and i think it's important to mention that the pet rescue center is homeless Mm -hmm. the pet rescue center is not a center we named it the pet rescue center with the intention for it to be a center. And then we came upon some troubles with the city uh, that we were going to create that facility in. And so we sort of just uprooted ourselves and said, let's just basically be a concept and do what we're going to do. And then we'll house our animals as clients. Basically, they're all owned by me, essentially. Right. The Pet Rescue Center entity. Right, like right. Tweeten. Yeah. And I will board them at a hospital, get them better and adopt them out through the usual pet finder, adopt a pet resources that are available online. So our animals are housed here at Alicia Pet Care Center as clients. That's unusual. Generally, the animals are taken to a foster system right. in other rescue groups. So our our costs are a little bit higher than other groups because of what we're choosing to take in. And it is a choice. We're choosing to take the ones that generally fall into a medical category, um, you know, and we're also wanting to ensure that they're healthy. We're also wanting to ensure that they're spayed, they're neutered, they're vaccinated, they're microchipped. So, you know, sick is not the right term. It's more, we want them to be healthy. We want them to be set up for success. And all of those things that we need to provide in order for them to fit into that category have to come from a veterinary hospital. Mm -hmm. So it makes sense for a rescue group to partner with a veterinarian or a veterinary hospital. And I know other rescue groups have done the same. We're not the only ones that do that. We're just probably one of the very few that all of our rescues are in the veterinary hospital because of the sheer quantity that we take in that fit into a sick category or needing an amputation or or something like that. So it it is quite 
it's quite special to see the animals that we bring in, to see them come in in the state that they're in on the day that they come from the shelter via our transport to the hospital to be um, examined and set up for their treatment that they're going to receive until they're healthy and discharged and adopted to a new family. It's very exciting to see the transformation from the beginning to the end. Yeah, That's a very unique experience. The feedback that I get from people that know what I do say, oh my gosh, how do you do that? How do you go to the shelter and see these animals and not want to take them all home? And, you know, of course I want to get them out of that environment. I I don't want anyone or anything to suffer, but I also am practical and a realist and I know the difference that I can make. I walk into the doors knowing what I'm capable of. Mm -hmm. You know, it's been eight years. We have managed to save over a thousand lives which I think is yeah it's a huge number it's very exciting I had no idea what I was getting into (laughs) when we started this at all it's very hard it's a challenge every step of the way every single thing you're going to do we've been to a lot of conferences to find out what are the trends in giving and you know how can we best market ourselves to the public to let them know the great things that we're doing and please please consider giving us a financial donation to continue to do what we're trying to do, mm-hmm. which has great intention and, you know, great follow through and great product. You know, mm-hmm. it's, you're saving a life. You yeah. know, this is wonderful. But there's a huge population out there that all have their things that are important to them, that they want to support their cause that's close to their heart. According to these conferences we go to, 3% of those people that give, give to the category of the environment and pets fall into the environment category. 3% of the population of the world that are giving money of philanthropists that are giving money and managing their money to, to be used by someone like us. That's a really small category that we're fighting for that money. But you know, there's many, many lives to be saved. There's three to 4 million a year nationwide that are euthanized. That's 10,000 a day. It's crazy. A day nationwide. So, I mean, there's a lot of need out there, but only 3% of the money of the philanthropy world mm-hmm. is coming to what we do. I think that's a good wrap-up point for all of you that are listening. If there is anything that you can do, not just monetarily, but to help with the Pet Rescue Center rescues pets, as well as a very key point for you pet owners, I feel like I'm... What's his name? Not Wink Martindale. Uh, Bob Eubanks. In telling you to (laughs) help the pet population and have your own pet spayed or neutered. Price is right. Yes. Yes. I can't remember the name either, but yeah, price is right. Yes. Yeah. Yeah, Spay or neuter your pet. Keep your pets healthy. And there's there's just so much to be done. We're in a funny time between when our pets, I believe, lived in our garage Mm-hmm. You know, I know that's the way it was when I was growing up and that was completely normal to now pets are our family. Yeah. They are our emotional support. They are our social connections. Um, it's just a complete change in the way that we view these furry animals that are next to us. Mm-hmm. We're needing to treat them as equals and we're needing to provide them with health care if we're going to be treating them as equals and family members. And I think that that's a great thing because they deserve it and they've deserved it all along. And it's great that they're being recognized as such. But those animals that are in the shelter are the same 
Mm-hmm. They're not different. They're not more disposable. Life may have happened. Mm-hmm. You know, circumstances may have happened. The city uh, laws may have not been there to support them in their family's time of need. Who knows what the circumstances are? But somehow they end up in these circumstances, and we go in to save them from those circumstances in hopes to give them a second chance at life in being our equal and being our social connection and our support and our family member. And it's important that people recognize that, that they don't need to be a perfect specimen birthed, you know, in a kitchen by someone. Right. They can have a second chance and be just as deserving as every other animal that fits into the dog and cat category. Yeah, very well put. So I will give you an opportunity to give all of your different ways for people to find the Pet Rescue Center online, social media, etc. The Pet Rescue Center is online. <laughs> we have a website, www.thepetrescuecenter.org. And when you go on our website, you can find all of our other social media avenues. We are the Pet Rescue Center. The the is very important. Yes. If it's not a the, we are someone else yeah, <laughs> in Coachella. Yeah, they, exactly. Yeah, yeah, so we have the misfortune of being named the same as someone else. But I think we have some great programs. We're not just a reactive group. We're not just a rescue group. We're also proactive. We provide a service to the public, uh, the pet pantry for seniors and the unemployed. We also provide education. We're happy to go into groups or schools or Girl Scout, Boy Scout. We've gone to Jewish centers. We've gone all over the place to provide education on proper pet care, pet ownership, and responsible adoption protocols and you know everything that we just talked about mm-hmm. basically in a highly summarized version and totally age appropriate depending on who we're speaking to i think both of those are very unique programs that will help get the word out on how to change the mentality that shelter pets don't deserve a second chance because i think if more people adopted from shelters or supported groups like us in the form of adoption we would be turning the corner much faster and reducing the numbers in the shelters much faster. But most importantly, in order for us to continue to do what we do, we need your donations. We need to be able to pay the bills of our animals. And it takes humans to help these animals. Mm -hmm. I think that that's one of the most complicated concepts for people to understand that animals, as much as you want the money to go to the animals, it has to go via a human yeah. uh, because you have to trust in the humans that are making the good decisions for those animals. And I promise you that the staff that we have does that. They're exceptional at what they do. We are very, very lucky with the employees that the Pet Rescue Center has. Most of us are volunteers, but we could do so much more with more investment in what we believe in and what we want to accomplish. Mm-hmm. So I appreciate any support that can be given to us. You can find us on Instagram and Facebook and hear all about what we do on a daily basis, yeah. <laughs> which is always great. Yes. All right. Well, thank you for your time. Thank you. Okay. Thank you so much for all of your time listening to this special Pet Rescue Center edition of the Pet Talk podcast. Again, you can find them at thepetrescuecenter.org and also find the Pet Rescue Center on Facebook and on Instagram and on Twitter as well. And for us, you can find Alicia Pet Care Center on Facebook, 
as Alicia Pet Care Center. You can find us as APCC Vet on Instagram, on Twitter, on Snapchat even. And you can find the podcast housed through our website, which is www.mypetsdoctor.com. And you can also find us at our specific podcast website, which is pettalkpodcast.com. You can also find any of our older episodes there or on iTunes, Stitcher Radio, and Google Play, which is potentially where you found us today. So thanks so much for finding us and for listening. Any uh, specific items that you'd like to bring up, you can send us through any of those social medias, or you can send an email to wecare at mypetsdoctor.com. That's wecare at mypetsdr.com. And I will field those questions for you and get them to the doctors and we'll get them on the podcast. So thanks again. And I hope you enjoy this episode.